Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. I'm Molly McDonough, editor and publisher of the ABA Journal. This week, I'm catching up with ABA Journal legal rebels who made their way to the ABA's tech show in Chicago. In today's chat, I'm visiting with Sarah Glassmeyer, who was named a legal rebel just last year, a trained law librarian. Sarah describes herself as a free law enthusiast, advocate of justice, social media aficionado, emerging tech geek, raconteur, and bon vivant, and coffee addict. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here today. And I heard uh, earlier this is your first tech show? Yeah, um, having been in academia and nonprofit world, I could never afford to go. Oh, no. <laughs> so I could get into the expo hall and talk to the vendors and see what's happening. Yeah, this is my first time actually going to sessions. And I'm, I'm speaking this year. It's kind of a late minute add-on. I'm doing a closing plenary. So this is my first time actually seeing what's going on, which is interesting for me because I'm not a practicing attorney, never have been. So some of the sessions that are really attorney-specific and practice-specific don't really apply, but I think there's still a lot here that even if you're not practicing, it's interesting. Like I was in the, the track session this morning, learning about robots and AI and how overblown it all is a little bit. <laughs> Did you actually hear the word Terminator anytime? Yes, actually a couple times. We, they were definitely, yeah. Terminators are, you know, that's, that's not what's happening. Right. But it's the mental image everyone gets when they think of law and robots and robot lawyers of Arnold Schwarzenegger coming to kill us all. But right. it, not the case, actually, as it turns out. Right. So uh, you have had a big change, actually, since the last time um, we were able to profile you in the magazine, which wasn't too long ago. No, Um, yeah. You have a new new job with me here at the ABA. Yeah. Uh, So can you tell me a little bit about what you're you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Um, So when I was nominated in one Legal Rebel, I had taken a year off. I used to work for Cali, the Center for Legal, um, Computer-Assisted Legal Education. Or no, Computer Assisted Legal Instruction. I never, in my years working there, could never get the acronym right. Um, <laughs> probably why I don't work there anymore. Um, but I took a year off from that, and I, um, my mother would always want me to mention this. I was a fellow at Harvard, Harvard, and um, I studied open and free legal information and how states publish it. And that's actually why I was nominated and why I won right. um, for my work in advocating for free and open legal information. And... After that, I was kind of casting about for what to do next. Um, job at Cali was gone, so I had to definitely start fresh. And I, part of me wanted to go back to legal academia, but that bubble has burst, like literally the law school bubble has burst. And so while there were some jobs available as far as being an academic law librarian, LRW professor, they really aren't being filled right now just because they're doing buyouts, they're not filling retirements. When people leave to a new job, they're not being filled just because the budget's simply not there. I kind of also didn't want to do that because of the whole free legal information. Right now I have on my Twitter bio on a four-month paid vacation from Detroit because there's this movie called Three Kings where it's about the first Gulf War and these guys who, um, soldiers going out to find some gold and Kuwaiti gold that Saddam had hidden and they have like this little synopsis of everyone and there's um, like George Clooney's in it and he's a career officer 
and this guy named Spike Jones, and he's just this hillbilly who likes to shoot guns, and that's how he ended up in the army. And then there's um, Ice Cube, the rapper slash actor, and he was a baggage handler at the Detroit airport. And like his like the little bio they just say is on a four month vacation from Detroit. And so that's kind of what I feel like in that. I sort of researched my way out of open and free law and legal information because I, what I discovered is it's a broken system right now. and There's nothing really I as an individual could do to break it. So basically, I kind of... To fix ju- it. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought in my year I'd be able to fix the whole legal information pro- right. problem, and that turns out you can't do. So I kind of jumped ship to so legal tech <laughs> and legal innovation, um, which is... Basically, like how Ice Cube jumped from basically one hellhole to the other. This is kind of what I did: is jump from one to the other, where the broken system of legal information. Now I'm in legal innovation. So what my job is: um, the ABA, as part of the Futures Commission, decided to create a center for innovation, and I am the project manager for that. So that's where I work now at the ABA Center for Innovation. Is there overlap, though, in, in, in what you were evangelizing about in the past uh, and, and what you're able to do or what you or do you have it on kind of your, in the back of your mind that you're going to marry these up at some point? There actually is, and that's one of the things I kind of, you know, in some ways I'm surprised I got the job because I was kind of a jerk during my interview in that I was like, first of all, we're going to have lots of failures. I hope you are okay with that because there's no way that this is going to succeed. <laughs> And secondly, well, that's, that's kind of exactly what they're expecting, though. That's the yeah, setup. Yeah, that, that was a good sign that they were like, yeah, no, we know we're going to fail fast and have lots of mistakes. And I was like, okay, that's good. Um, and secondly, I was like, we got to do things openly. We, we can't be locked down software. We can't be hidden processes. We need to be really transparent as to what we're doing. And then any software we create, we really should license openly so it can be reused. Because that was one of my lessons I learned from my library life in that libraries are in some ways about 10 years ahead of law as far as the impact of technology and automation and quote-unquote replacing professionals with computers. And libraries had this really golden moment where they could have really invested in technology as librarians and not just kicked it all over to vendors. And they didn't. And so now libraries are stuck with really crappy, expensive software that doesn't do exactly what they need it to do. And there's some open source projects within library science. Um, like when you go to a library and you search for a book in a catalog, that, that's called an OPAC. And there's some open source OPACs that, li- that are developed by librarians and made for libraries by librarians. And they're, they're better. And they're, they're free and cheap. And so that's why I would like to see lawyers invest in technology Right. And make it open. So that was my one of my. Right, I would have liked to have seen journalists invest in technology a lot sooner too. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're trying. I actually had a meeting with general counsel at ABA, explaining what open licensing is, the the GPL, the new GNU licensing scheme. So hopefully, because we have some software kind of in the wild already, some apps. Um, and we're, I'm actually leaving tomorrow, no, Sunday, I'm flying up to Boston for another design sprint for an app we're going to develop for hate crimes. Um, but yeah, hopefully these will all be licensed openly, that people can take them, build upon the work that the ABA Center for Innovation has already done. And then, you know, so we have a hate crimes reporting app. Maybe that can be re- transformed into a domestic violence reporting app or some other kind of crime reporting app that would be useful for people to use. And they would be able to use it for free, and then hopefully you expand access to justice through technology that way. 
um, this app came about how Nicole Braddock, another rebel, brought this project to yeah. the center? So Nicole's boss, Chad Burton, is on our governing board. Um, the ABA Center for Innovation is not quite like other divisions uh, at the ABA, and that's if you're not familiar with the ABA, it's huge, as I'm discovering. There's 3,500 different entities involved with the ABA, and we're just one of them. But we don't have the true membership, like, you, like how you're a member of the Law Practice Division. We don't have, you can't be yet, yet, hopefully one day, a member of the Center for Innovation, but we do have a governing board and advisory board, and they drive exactly a lot of what we do. And so Nicole had seen the rise in hate crimes post-election and post-inauguration and wanted to do something about it. So she knew about the Center for Innovation through Chad, and she came to us, and Curo Legal, the company that they both work at, is kind of the developer, the um, sign for it, the... Um, the developer for it, we decide anything we can do to help that we will make that possible. And so we're kind of hosting this design sprint, bringing in people from the ACLU, okay. the National Defamation League, all that sort of stuff, people, right. students from Suffolk, um, and we're all going to come together to build this app. Uh, so um, with the uh, Hate Crimes app, um, that's just one of the projects you've been working on. Yeah. Um, and in the, sh in the relatively short time you've been at the ABA and with the Center for Innovation, do you have any other favorite projects that are maybe coming up or down the road? Um, the one that's actually also still in the wild now, in Louisiana, uh, leaving property to people in the family is not a formalized process. So people are living in houses that they can't legally prove they own, which has just gone on for centuries. And... The floods that hit Louisiana earlier this year devastated people, but to get FEMA money, they had to prove they owned the house. And so Judy Perry Martinez, who is on our board, worked with the Louisiana Legal Aid and came up with this idea of maybe we could somehow make that process easier. And so with Margaret Hagen, who's also on our board from Stanford Design School, they created an app called Floodproof. And you can actually download it now in the iTunes market as well as the um, Google Play market. And it walks you through the process of what paperwork you need to gather, what do you need to do in order to um, prove that you own your house so that you can then get FEMA money for your floods. And so, again, this is another thing we want to license openly, hopefully, that people can then take it, adapt it, use it in other jurisdictions, make it, you can maybe even make it for a for-profit thing. Well, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's all kind of a wild, wild west right now, but... Okay. <laughs> How, and and what's the status of that? Is it where does that stand? That project? It's, it's done. It's, it's launched. Yeah, it's it's okay. done and launched, and people are using it. Yeah, okay. I don't have any stats exactly how many okay. people have used it, unfortunately, okay. but I need to get that. Yeah, okay. All right. that's good. Anything else you're working on that um, that you can reveal yet? With yeah, new have, coming up. We're working on a project on ODR. Um, and that's one thing I find interesting. A lot right now of our projects are very client-facing and kind of filling the access to justice gap by connecting people to services and tools, not necessarily connecting them to lawyers or building tools for lawyers. So that's one of the things I kind of hoped, would hope in the future we do more lawyer-centric things, either building tools for lawyers or um, I'm an educator at heart, so I can see us doing a lot more education. So again, if you are like me and can never get to tech show... <laughs> Hopefully, we will have some free webinars, free CLEs right. that people can take advantage of and learn about some of the changing innovations in law um, and get that educational component that they're, they're missing out on if they can't make it to Chicago. 
Well, I'm so glad you, you took some time to come talk to me today. Um, I'm Molly McDonough, and you've been listening to a special tech show edition of the ABA Journal's Legal Rebels podcast. Sarah, I have one last question for you. Um, if our listeners want to follow up on what they've heard today, how do they reach out to you? Okay. Um, I technically have a blog. I haven't blogged in a while. I took the summer off. Um, and that stretched, because I just was kind of feeling out the ABA, but I hope they Googled me so they know I'm kind of a jerk. But um, I have a blog, sarahglassmeyer.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, um, at sglassmeyer. Um, I tweet a lot about everything, so, but I occasionally talk about law, so if you find that interesting, follow me on Twitter. You do, you have a very active Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're somewhat of an open book with that. Yeah, that's why I but feel it's like... it's great. It's great. I feel oh, like good. I can thank get you. to know you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. All right. I want to thank Sarah for joining us today and our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and rate us in iTunes. We look forward to you joining us for another episode of the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.